This recap of the latest episode of Tough as Nails featuring Phil Kogan is sponsored by our friends over at Bet Online. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag, with NASCAR, Formula One, and EPL all in full swing. There's no shortage of ways to get in on the action if you need more. BetOnline has simulated NFL Madden games, NBA 2K, and UFC happening every day live for you to watch and wager on. And as sports get closer to returning, BetOnline has few Futures odds on everything you can imagine. Season win totals, division odds, and even odds on every league championship. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join now and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One BetOnline to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. Hey, everybody. What's going on? I'm Rob Sestrino back again with another recap of the hit new CBS series. <laughs> That's right. Tough as nails. We are back. I meant to, I meant to hit this one. Yeah. All right. There you go. Well, uh, you're in for a real treat today because first, uh, let me uh, introduce uh, my co-hosts for this podcast, uh, Jessica Lease and Mike Bloom. Uh, Justin, Mike, how are you? Uh, fantastic. I'm I'm tough as down comforters. <laughs> okay. Ooh, okay. Right. Nice and nice and soft. Uh, I'm yeah. doing well. I'm I'm in the process of moving right now, but I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Considering I removed the alternator from my car to see how easy it was. Okay. Well, <laughs> how'd that go, Mike? Well, uh, I I hoped I wished that they told the contestants how to put it back in the car. I think that's the problem. <laughs> the so car's not going to run with you just- without that. Okay. So we're going to see what happens next week when that challenge comes up. All right. Well, uh, we are all uh, chuffed to bits today because uh, we are very excited to have with us a very special guest here to talk some tough as nails with us. He is the Emmy Award winning host of The Amazing Race and the executive producer and host of Tough as Nails. Please welcome Phil Kogan. Thank Phil. you. Can what I please treat. have music? Can I have that music? <laughs> <laughs> the toughest guy here. Yes. Thank you. Oh, and we got the eyebrow, too. That, I never thought I'd see the eyebrow in person. <laughs> yeah. This is a real thing that's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, this uh, is such a treat to have you here. And uh, thank you for taking some time to talk with us and listeners of the podcast. And it's just uh, such a, a testament to you as uh, a host and creator to uh, take the time to uh, talk with uh, the people that are watching the show and listening to the podcast. So thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, look, I, I want to thank you guys for doing such a thorough job on uh, the assessment of the premiere episode. We had uh, it's actually my daughter who got me on to listening. Um, she told me, oh, dad, you got to listen. Um, and I, I was like, well, do you want me to listen? Like, is it good? And she was like, oh, no, no, no. They really they really watched like every single frame, I think maybe in slow mode. Um, <laughs> the level of detail was quite uh, extraordinary. Um, so we had the whole team listening and, uh, it was great. You guys, uh, you guys got really deep. Um, 
But, you know, the reason uh, I think it's good to have me here today is I can answer some of the questions you had and uh, make sure that you don't deviate from standard operating procedure with regards to your depth, with your uh, assessment. And also, I, I do feel that a great place to start would be right up at the front of the show of episode one, where I was using the word mucking. And I said, this man is not mucking around, referring to Lee Marshall, 10,000 rubes, maybe more. And you were like, what the hell is this mucking? Is that how we say the word with F without using the F? <laughs> yeah. Mucking. So um, let's start with mucking. OK, because, um, you know. I am an immigrant. I come from New Zealand. We say weird things. Uh, and like any culture, you have your own little idiosyncrasies. And um, mucking is something that you don't want someone to say to you if you're mucking about. For instance, if I was doing a job and I wasn't doing it properly when I was a kid because I had chores, uh, my dad would say, for goodness sake, stop mucking around. You're mucking around, like, uh, you know, messing around, I guess you would say in America. So when I said about Lee Marshall, this man is not mucking around. It means he was working hard. He was trying to get the job done. Uh, so, so what you're saying is we mucked up the definition. <laughs> you absolutely mucked it up. Yes. <laughs> but um, now, now that we have that straight, you know, any other New Zealandisms that you guys get hung up on, please call me immediately and we will resolve the issue straight away. So I'm you don't just waiting I'm just waiting for you to incorporate jandals into one of your hosting gigs. Yes. Teams must not wear jandals when they're taking a car to bits because they need steel capped boots. Gotcha. So I'm assuming jandals is some sort of hybrid between jeans and sandals. Is it some sort of denim, <laughs> denim thong sandals? Jandals are, are flip flops, I guess. Is that what you're Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. You uh, there you go. This is so exciting uh, and so fun. I feel like that this this group has uh, such good chemistry, Phil. I feel like we should we should have a team name. What should we call the group, Phil? Uh, the, the the Motley Four. <laughs> Motley, Motley Four. I love it. <laughs> okay, uh, Phil. Uh, uh, we really enjoyed uh, the show last night. Which uh, have, hold on a second, yeah. Rob. Hey, don't, don't we need to clarify some other things? Sure, please <laughs> clarify away. Right, Rob's trying there, to slink away. Yeah, I mean, weren't there some things that you're getting all hung up on that we need to just like you know resolve? What, well, yeah. What else? Or what else do we get hung up on? Okay, we got hung up on this puppy. Oh, he's got one. He's got oh, a badge, a badge of, of honor. honor. <laughs> okay, now yes. what, what, is, what is the badge of honor? Yeah. What, <laughs> what do we do with them? Okay, so this is a blown up version, and rightly so. You were absolutely right. It went to Kinko's, and we said make it you know this big, and it ended up being this big. <laughs> so the badge of honor was inspired by the stickers that union workers wear on their hard hats when they do a job. So okay. any job you do, mm-hmm. if you're, if for those people who are at nine 11 who are part of the cleanup, they proudly wear that sticker as a badge of honor on the helmet to say, I was on that job. And if you go to Montana and you get, you get put on a, on a job site there as a union job, there'll be a specific sticker for that job. And you put it on your hard hat. And when you meet a fellow union worker, you go, oh, wow, were you on that job out in Montana? Oh, you worked on the 9-11 thing. So it's mm. in, in that world, in that union working world, and there's 15 million union workers in America, that is a very, it's a very prestigious thing. So we wanted to honor that. Now, we're making television. So if we gave people, if we, the badge of honor was that big that goes on a helmet, 
mm-hmm. doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So we have to blow it up. So that's why it was blown up. So the idea is that if a team wins a challenge, they get essentially a blown up union sticker, work sticker, but we call a badge of honor because they wear them on their hard hats as a badge of honor. And the goal is to collect as many of these badges of honor and as many wins as possible, because by the end of the series, the team that wins the most number of team challenges will win a bonus prize. Ah, And as you know, any show that's new, brand new, um, there's so much to cover, right? Like I just didn't want in the first two episodes to get bogged down with, Oh, and by the way, way at the end of the series, by the time you collect all the badges of honor, there's going to be, there's just only so much that Mm -hmm. you can, kind of throw at an audience without sacrificing action, without sacrificing background packages. You'll see that we put the background packages over two episodes. Yeah. One, one of the beauties of this show, I think, is that because nobody's going home, we don't have to rush to get everything out about a particular character in episode one, because you think about this dilemma that producers have, where if somebody's eliminated in the very first show, and you start back producing from where your winner is to, okay, where do we put attention and airtime to characters? You don't want to foreshadow to the audience that, oh, they didn't really spend a lot of time with Jess. Why is that? Oh, because Jess maybe got eliminated in episode one. So you have to wait the background packages to not foreshadow what's coming. But on our, on our show, we don't have to rush to give the audience everything out of the gate. We can take our time. There's a character arc. All of them have it. And you get to know whether it's, you know, Lynette or whether it's young, you get to know them over a series because regardless of whether they're cut from the individual, they stay for the team competition. So there's that. Can I, can I ask Phil? So, so yes, obviously the badge of honor has a lot of, of meaning to it, both in and out of the show. You spoke about how, you know, they're cosmetically applied to people in the real world. So like, you know, now that the teams have a badge of honor, are, is that like applied to their uniforms for the next challenge? Because I don't remember seeing any in this particular episode. Or do they have a giant hard hat that they? Yeah, yes, yeah, there's, there's a matching hard hat. Yeah, they the should size put them of- on the side of the van as they come in in the mornings. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. So, oh. it's it, Rob, you uh, play the uh, spec me music for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it's now called the spec. Like spec Mick is like paying for this brand endorsement in, in now it has a theme song. We need them as know. a sponsor. Yeah, bro. Can you just be a little bit quicker on the, on the theme? I'm sorry. Music? I didn't <laughs> feel if I knew you were going to be thrown at Maybe me. you could just, <laughs> when you bring a producer on, by the way, <laughs> I'm live because otherwise you could just cut that piece out and just tighten it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yes, the stickers, the stickers go on the side of the of the van, um, and they're smaller. We don't make a big deal of it, but here's the thing: there's a culture with these with all of these uh, contestants that a lot of people don't understand, and that's part of the reason why we're doing the show is that you're going to learn things that are of tremendous importance to them. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of callback to uh, a nostalgic time of Rosie the Riveter in World War II, where people rolled up their sleeves and got the, got the job done. And so, you know, you could have an app to, 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 you know, to punch in if you like, but for a lot of people, that punch in card, and yes, we blew up the punch in card because it's television. <laughs> yeah. and you, can see you got it. it. But it's, 
it's a it's a symbolic thing where once you commit to do the job, mm-hmm. they only punch in once. But once you punch in and you say, I will do this job to the best of my ability, there's a pride that they all have. And we needed something that was a launching pad to say, I commit to doing this job. I will give it everything I've got for that individual competition. And and then the punch out, which comes for the person who is out of the individual competition, that that really means something that you're saying, I'm out of this. Like the job's over for me now. I'm no longer in this. So it's a little bit like if you, you can't imagine Survivor without the putting out of the torch. And I'm sure in the beginning people were like, really? Like you had to put a, you had to put the flame out. Like what, what's that got to do with anything? Or, you know, you could, you could send a text to your, to someone you're attracted to instead of giving them a rose, but it doesn't really have the same tactile meaning mm. or on amazing race. We could just text the clues, but no, we give them an envelope. <laughs> they open. So you have to have tactile elements to a show. Yeah. And if you're making a show for the very first time, then people are going to be like, really? Like, do we have to look at something that you got from a secondhand store? Yeah, well, it's because of the callback aspect of there was a time when hardworking men and women in this country were revered for their trade skills. Like, it was a thing. Like, my my grandfather, who's a mechanic, an auto mechanic, and, a, and, a, and an aero mechanic in World War II, if you were the guy who fixed cars or the woman who worked, you know, as a carpenter or somebody who worked with their hands in the trades, you were seen as a valuable member of society where you were, you know, really important. And then it became like, well, no, you know what? You really need to have a college education and an education only comes from a building. It only comes from a tertiary education. And, and with this show, we wanted to say, well, hold on a second. Does education just come from that building and that tertiary education? I want people to go to dental school and know how to work on my teeth. And we need these people who are educated in that way. But education comes in many different facets. And I just want at a time when there's three million vacant trade jobs in America Mm -hmm. for us to go, well, hold on a second. Aren't these people also educated in what they do because nobody can do what they can do as well as they can do? And those skills that they learned from somebody else, isn't that like hugely important? So that's really what this show is all about is like they're, they're not perfect. They're flawed, but they are hugely important to us. And we need to we need to see the pride that they have and honor that and not see them less than anybody else in society. That's really the core of what the show's about. Yeah, well, and I, that was that was something that I noticed right off the bat is the way that this is portrayed differently from how we're taught to say that hard physical labor is something you want to avoid. But these people genuinely love what they do. They make it look yeah. fun and exciting. And I think that's a piece that has been missing from the narrative for years that you could take a job like this, a skilled, a skilled labor job, and you would really enjoy it. You would be exhausted. You might be you know, hurting at the end of the day, but you would have a good time in the process. And I think this is making all of that seem very appealing. Yeah. And and even to add on to this most recent episode, I, for one, was stunned to hear about Lee's automated background Uh, because my assumption was just, okay, this guy has been doing roofs for his entire life. 10,000 roofs and counting. Sounds like a slogan for Lee's presidential run eventually. Um, but I think that uh, I, I think that to find that information about him, not only does that deepen, you know, his character, as you're saying, but I think it also says something about how 
the the trade lifestyle is not one where you're like born into a trade and you just do that for the rest of your life. That there is there are so many skills that carry across different trades that someone likely can go to automotive school, could become the junkyard dog along with his brother, and then yes. go on to this very successful roofing career as well. Yeah, and and I really appreciate you seeing that. And there's too many, in my opinion, there's too many high school kids who are automatically being funneled to to going to university. And I, I, I read one review where the guy said that I was trying to create a class war. Like somehow I was saying that you're less than if you go to university and get an education. And I was trying to say that somehow these people, these working class people are better. And I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm, I'm yeah. all I'm trying to say is maybe there's a young girl or a young boy coming out of school who loves building things and who's amazing working with their hands and loves working with wood, or maybe, you know, we've, we're already started casting on season uh, for season two. And there's a, this is, there's this young woman who is a mechanic. And she said, ever since she was a little girl, she loved taking things apart and putting them back together. And she was encouraged to become a mechanic. And she said, she's constantly challenging these old sexist guys to rethink the way that they do jobs. And she's smart. And she's bringing that to her job. And when you hear that story, you go, well, does everybody like is 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 education at a tertiary uh, in in an institution? Is that the choice for everybody or is it the choice for some and that others can also be encouraged to look at becoming a welder like Lynette? And these are good paying jobs. And there are there's a there's a huge void right now because we've pushed so hard to say, you're nothing unless you got that degree to fall back on that. It, unfortunately, we've taken away the people like in Lee's neighborhood. Everybody goes to Lee if they got a problem with their car. They just go, oh, mm-hmm. we'll go down and see Lee. He'll fix your car for you. You know, and th- there's something about look, let me show you a shot of my grandfather. Okay. So this is this oh, is my okay. grandfather. All right. So, Phil, uh, for the people that are listening to the podcast, could you tell us what you're holding up? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. So, of course. So, yes, I'm holding up a photograph of my grandfather. It's a black and white photograph of him in the 70s. And he's working in his workshop. And um, it's he had more tools than anybody I've ever met before in my life. And uh, he he's I spent all my holidays with him uh, learning how to use tools. That's where I got practical skills from. My hand is like his hand and he he would fashion all his tools to fit his hand. And so because of genetics, I have those tools uh, in, in L.A. They fit my hand like a glove. And um, he was the brightest kid in, in his school when he was 12 years old. He got the top of the class and he got a scholarship to go to high school. But unfortunately, his family said, you've got to go straight to work. And he went to work in his brother's uh, bike shop. And then later became, as I mentioned, a mechanic and an aero mechanic in World War II. One of the smartest people I ever met in, in my life. He had three sheds in the backyard. He's, he'd lived through the depression, so he never threw anything away. And that work ethic and that pride, and my other grandfather was a carpenter, and then all my ancestors going back, coal miners, gold miners, farmers, you know, people working with their hands. I have a tremendous amount of pride in, in my family. And my parents both have the equivalent of doctorates. Um, highly educated at a tertiary level because it was like, oh no, you're gonna you're gonna go to university, you're gonna get a chance that we never had. But I still have this call back to the pride that I know my my grandfather had, both grandfathers and my grandmothers who worked tirelessly. And I just I'm just trying to get us back to that 
uh, salt of the earth kind of uh, pride that you see in a farmer out working right now in America, people who are making sure the toilets flush, the lights go on, that things work. And I just want us to just to, to acknowledge them. And, 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 and it just so happens that right now, this time uh, is a good time to be doing that, I think. <laughs> Just a quick break in the action to thank a sponsor for this episode. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast that you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, interesting podcasts. This show covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. There's a ton of episodes rooted in the business and tech space. I recommend listeners check out conversations with Mark Cuban and Kevin Systrom, one of the co-founders of Instagram. Each episode is a conversation with a different fashion fascinating guest. And when I say that there's something for everyone here, I mean that in one episode, Jordan is going to talk to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds useful and disturbing at the same time. Another episode is the story of a cinematographer who discovers a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of the century. The podcast covers a lot, but one constant is his ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. I promise you, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life, whether that's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that can change how you see the world. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And speaking of fascinating interviews, let's get back to talking with Phil. So something that I I think would be interesting to see, you mentioned you're already casting season two, which is exciting. Yeah, I can't Um, imagine how many virtual burpees you're making everybody do on camera. Yeah, they just got to get on the Zoom call and do all the burpees. They could just film themselves doing one and loop it around. Um, (laughs) Yes. But I, I wonder if it's if there's anybody out there that has like a law degree or a PhD that walked away from that profession yeah. to go into a trade. I think that would be very interesting to see. Yeah, I mean yeah. Wendell Holland's a great example of that, exactly. right? He's, yeah. he's somebody firsthand who went from a law degree to now he is literally working with his hands every day. There's stories, assumingly like that, to Jess's point, all around the country. Yeah, and we we had somebody like that the other day, uh, a guy who is quite short, is kind of like uh, Danny uh, Danny Moody, the drywaller, who's only five foot six, and always felt like he had something to prove. And he did a, a degree, um, and and and, and uh, got honors. And then he just thought, I just I want to be more physical. I, I want to be more connected to the to to the world, um, to the physical world. And so he quit. And uh, he's now a construction worker. And, you know, nothing is ever wasted. Right. I mean, he went and, and you know, education. You look at, at somebody like Leonardo da Vinci. Right. He never went to university. But is there anybody on this planet, arguably the most uh, amazing human being to, across all, all spectrums? I mean, everything, whether it's medicine, art, most famous painting in the world. Um, he was an observer. He was a he was a he was perhaps the most curious person to ever live, or at least one of them. And his education came from being incredibly observant of the world around him. He would sit in a forest for hours and just observe how things functioned and sounds and different, you know, and out of that, we got these incredible insights into a world that many of us just walk by. 
And so, yeah, I, I, I think part of this is, again, just redefining not only what it means to be tough, but also redefining um, what it means to be skilled. Um, those, I mean, last night, I know people were freaking out about these, uh, these workers using all those tools. Now, for the average person at home who doesn't use tools, who's not used to working with their hands every single day, absolutely terrifying. I have to show you something funny, though. Uh, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. And again, I know we've got listeners but uh, who are not watching. Um, but if you look at this badge of honor. Hold oh, on. my God. Oh, yes. Cut oh, the orange okay. Uh, right. the there's, there's sparks coming from it. I will say Phil looks a little blood-like uh, for a second. Exactly. Though I guess that would sort of be the side effect from those that are not used to using that tool. Yeah, so what we're looking at here is the badge of honor. And uh, in, in, in uh, our haste to get all of this done, uh, Young, our firefighter, uh, rightly pointed out that it looked like instead of sparks coming off the grinder, that his hand was being grinded <laughs> and, and, and the sparks were, in fact, blood. Um, so, uh, yes. But anyway, I, I digress. But the point, again, is we look at that and we're horrified. Like, you know, these people using these tools – but did you see the way Lee cut through that car like it was butter? And he knew exactly what he was doing. Linnet knew how to use all the tools. These are people who are used to working with tools. And so, again, it's another insight into what you know, when we look up and we see somebody 50 stories up, balanced on a beam, about to collect two I-beams, connect two I-beams together with a bolt. It looks ter- terrifying, petrifying to most people. But this is what people do every day. The people that go up, we just uh, for season two, we we interviewed somebody who literally climbs these 500 foot towers to go up and and fix aerials and make sure in storms after this damage that they're repaired. Can you uh, the most dangerous job in America? I mean, can you imagine? But they do it every day or people who are underwater welding like, you know, Callie was an underwater welder at one point. So, yeah, again, it's like opening people's eyes up to. Yeah, there's some people that do some things that would terrify you, but that's why the country works. Yeah, and it's to that point, I think what's really interesting is how much also carries over between tasks. I think you can imagine like this week, it's the car week. Next week is the farm week. You'd imagine like, okay, these people that work in those industries have the obvious upper hand. But I think a lot of the talking heads with people, I think we saw it with... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who we saw it with this week, but they're they're sort of like, well, you know, I haven't worked on a car, but uh, you right. know, Callie said, oh, well, I work on changing the boat, uh, the boat's yep. motors. So obviously, I know where an alternator is. It, it's cool to watch them, sort of like with Amazing Race, with like, hey, we're thrown into this task that we really have never done cl- or close to little have done in our yep. lives, but I have skills that I can use to at least get by. And, and that's sort of the fun thing as well as watching everyone sort of try to fit a square peg into a round hole and some yeah. have more success than others. Yeah, and that's why if you look at somebody like uh, Melissa, who's our farmer, I mean, you're talking about, you think of what a farmer has to do. One day they're helping a cow give birth, literally. The next day they're fixing, fixing a fence. Then they're changing uh, an alternator on a tractor, mm. they're fixing a hole, hole in the road, the side of the barn that blew off and they're putting a hinge back on it. Then they're painting something. Uh, then they're out in the field planting. Then they're harvesting. I mean, every single day, it's like, what can you throw at me? I'm ready. I'm a Jack and Jill of all trades. I, you know, I, I got it. I got this job. And so those life skills, and Lee obviously has them in spades, 
Um, but those life skills are things that we're trying to celebrate on the show. They, they, they can adapt. Yeah. It's the funniest thing. I, I just kind of had an epiphany right now because I was watching you hold up the alternator and say, what is this? And I'm like, Oh, that's an alternator. Well, I live in New York. I don't drive. Why do I know this? Because my stepdad is one of those people. He, he yeah. had that physical labor job and for, you know, he worked for 50 years and retired and now he knows how to do everything. He can take apart a lawnmower. Yeah. He can fix his own car. He can build, he can build furniture and you kind of learn those things. You learn how to do everything when you have a job like that. And it's right. really and, amazing. And Jess, if you, if you think of, if, if we think of that now, uh, or we, we, we acknowledge that as an education, meaning that that knowledge that mm-hmm. he has to, to, to work in the, to function in the, in our world the way he does, because he can't yeah. do those things. If we see it that way and not, Oh, well, what degree does he have? If we just see it that way, then then we can take pride in that and go, oh, yeah, no, listen, my my uncle, he'd be, you know, he know, he'll know. I'll, let me give him a call. I'll ask him. He'll know. Or my aunt, she, you know, she's on a farm. I'm sure she's done some planting before and can tell you how you meant to do the garden or whatever. Oh, yeah. or, you know, so those are things that if we start to see that those are valuable and that 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 learning on the job is is as as important in education, especially that generational thing, and that's something that we wanted mm-hmm. to 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 show. With you know, there's so much ageism in this country. It's so bad. Um, you know, oh, it's not good unless it's coming from a young person. But what about that? The the the, the years of wisdom that somebody like Lee and Michelle can hand down and. Look, we, we got a lot of people pointing fingers at us with Michelle. Like, what do you mean? You're doing a show called Tough as Nails and you got this woman. She's five foot nothing. She's comes She comes from Cincinnati. She works as a baggage handler. And you've got her on a show called Tough as Nails. I'm like, yeah, we have. Because you know what? It Toughness is not just the physical appearance of somebody. And it's not just because they played in the in, in the NFL or because they, they're in the MMA. It's because... They have a mental fortitude. This woman is looking after her husband, who's a Vietnam vet, who's got cancer. And she's looking after him at the same time as holding down jobs. She's been teaching since uh, online, since the end of Tough as Nails. She, she's not scared of anything. And you're gonna see somebody like Michelle shine on a show called Tough as Nails because it's not just how fast you are and how quick you are going over, a, you know, through a course, but it's, that, that thing of getting a job done and that, that work ethic and those life skills. And that's the thing that excites me the most. Um, so she got that it. alternator out of the car. And yep. she immediately she, she knew what, what her role should be in the team challenge, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, Jess, that's a very good point. And you were very astute in, in episode one where you pointed that out about Michelle laying out the nails. That is that's the smarts of knowing where you're where where you can be a team contributor and quite frankly the team competition in a way is more interesting than even the individual because of that very fact where you go okay i'm part of a team you got a bunch of a types and believe me things get a little heated coming up uh in the series because there is a jostling for power and people who think that maybe they should be taking control and so on and dysfunction as well but Six personalities in one team. I mean, on Amazing Race, we have two, and there's sometimes tension. You've seen shows with three, but six 
really tough people with strong personalities trying to work together. Michelle is the one that took it upon herself, not to be told, but took it upon herself to go, okay, I'm not going to out hammer these nails in. I'm not going to outlift anybody here. But what I will do is I will work ahead and make sure that when they get to that thing that they're good at, I've done the thing that I'm good at, which is planning ahead. And so I thought it was very astute that you you notice that. And that's something in the team dynamic that really plays out and becomes incredibly exciting. Um, there's a major showdown at the end of the series with the teams. And um, it's yeah, it's some of the best TV that, I, you know, I feel like uh, I've been a part of. Uh, I've been in TV for 35 years before you guys were born. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, before one of us was born. Mm hmm. Before one uh, okay. Can, can I ask Phil what what has been your reception to the reception in a manner of speaking? Because obviously you had your own sort of expectations coming into this series being launched, especially as you said at a very interesting time in our history. And I mean, it, it, it did gangbusters in the ratings. Uh, I believe you know this week was a little bit of a step down, but still not as big of a slip as as a lot of shows going on. So still held very strong. Seems to be a lot of positive word of mouth going going around. What sort of has been your reaction to finally letting this thing you know be birthed into the world and having people get to look at it well you know the, the first day at the starting line uh when everybody lined up i welled you know i got tears in my eyes because um it was just such a journey to get to that point it was just like everything just came out of me you know and i the, the contestants wouldn't have seen me get emotional but i was emotional because it was just such a battle. It was just been such a battle to try to get this on the air. And look, I've believed in things before and executed things before that I've really believed in and they haven't for one reason or another worked. And I've always been about sticking with things you're passionate about. If you truly believe in something and, you know, doing something that's new and different as Malcolm Gladwell says, is always very challenging. Anything new and different, most susceptible to market research. You walk in with a, another singing show that has a twist or a dancing show that has a twist. People kind of have a reference point and they go, Oh, it's a dancing show. Right. But they have to dance blindfolded, um, you know, on a very, on ice or something. I don't know. It, oh, wow. That sounds really well, interesting. That's actually okay. a good idea, Phil. Yeah. yeah they're, we're they're starting to content right now. I think we're looking for something for the fall. Dancing on ice. Uh, <laughs> dancing on ice. Blind dancing uh, on ice. Yeah. Instead of dancing with the stars, dancing on ice. Um, Skating on ice? No, dancing on ice. Anyway, uh, so, you know, very emotional. And then, as with anything, all you can do, first of all, nothing is made alone, right? So you have to get the right people around you. You have to get people that are really, really good at what they do, who are better than you at doing things than you, who then bring that passion, who believe in the show. And thankfully, we had that. We had really the best of the best. Um, and over 20 people on the production are people that I've worked with for over two decades. The, the DP I've been working with uh, for almost three decades, for almost 30 years since I first came to America. My wife and producing partner, I've been working with her since 1989. The lead audio guy I've been working with since 1995. Um, so there's a group of people that have believed in, in me and believed in this project for so long. And I think that's why all that emotion came out because I couldn't believe that A, they were there to support me and then B, that this was actually happening. And that in itself was sort of like an achievement. But then of course you make the show. We have amazing group of, uh, of editors and 
an incredible uh, producing uh, team. I got uh, Anthony Carboni and, and, and Andy Thomas and Terry Castanola is a, uh, and, and Kevin Mueller is a sort of a brain trust to, to help make the show work and all really, really good at what they do in their area of expertise. Um, and, and, and then you just, you make something and, and all we can do is make a good party if you like, right? Like, so people come to the party, you want make sure that they don't leave the party. Our job is not to get them there, right? It's our job is to keep them there. And if you look at the quarter hour breakdowns, you see that when people come and they see the show, they stay. So that is incredibly satisfying. I still feel like in 2020, trying to get a show to cut through when people have their pattern of behavior for watching reality shows and you say, oh, well, here's one more. And it's like, oh, really? No, I, I got my, you know, I've got my Kardashians and I've got my Bachelor and I've got my Survivor and Amazing. I don't need one more thing to be watching. So it's very difficult to get people to say, well, just give it a try. And then they go, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. So it's very, very difficult. Um, but I do believe that our show is a slow burn show. I, it, we don't have a fantasy suite where people go, there's <laughs> some outrageous thing that happened in this fantasy suite. I got to watch that show. Well, no, on this show, sure. Phil, they would actually build the fantasy suite. That'd be one of the challenges, yes. right? <laughs> I, I don't want to see what the badge of honor looks like for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not blood. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I, let me yeah, see if well, I have one yeah. here. <laughs> um, is this it? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, something's getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got nailed. All right. So, or railed. Uh, or railed. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Railed. Um, the, we were all the, thinking the, it. The spikes went in. Yes, they did. Um, all right. Anyway, we digress again. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, um, we're podcast yeah, yeah, for that. Don't worry. <laughs> we're good though, right? I mean, we're not. Uh, yeah. We're not going over the line here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, boy. Uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, yes, I, I hopefully I've answered your question, but I hope that ultimately if you make something good, I, I do believe that with word of mouth and I'm reading online and and uh, you've, you're always going to get, you know, people want to throw in some crazy comment, you know, they just and then you look at their you look at the stuff they post and literally everything they post is a, you know, something negative. But if you look at at the posts, it's overwhelmingly positive. And um, when we were doing the casting, I asked all of the we, we, we uh, interviewed 20 people the other day. I asked every single one of them, who's your who are your favorite characters? And two favorite characters were Lee and Michelle. And when I asked why, they said, we're just so excited to see somebody who doesn't look like the next wannabe influencer who is who feels like what reality shows have always said they wanted to do, which is get real people. Mm -hmm. And they just look real. I mean, Lee Marshall knows nothing about social media. I, I had to, it took me four months to get the video of him on his bicycle riding by with his wife on the tandem <laughs> bicycle. I had to get a family member to like, like lock him down to like, Lee, I need this piece of video of you. Okay. He's, he's like, but I don't know how to get on. I don't have an email. I don't have a, you know, so it, that, that part of it is, incredibly difficult but it's also hugely rewarding because yes they are real like mm. and what's the definition of that they don't want to be like they want to go back to the jobs they love their jobs and you know nothing wrong with that i can't picture a single one of these people not going back to work after this show yeah no you're absolutely right i had i had to have to tell you something funny one one comment i got from somebody was like really 
all these hardworking people and you put them to, to do hard work on a show called Tough as Nails, couldn't you have sent them to like the the, the fantasy suite to stay at the fantasy suite? <laughs> You know, a bachelor, like, and give them a holiday. These people need a holiday. And, and then someone else wrote, um, really? You're going to give them money? Now they've got to deal with all the taxes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, really? Okay. Uh, you know. Boy. Uh, uh, anyway. Phil reading Twitter comments is a uh, mood. That's yeah. This is my new favorite activity. Yeah. It's just watching Phil go, go after trolls. <laughs> no, There's love, that badge of honor. <laughs> I, I had I had one guy, um, and it was kind of a fun back and forth. So one guy he writes this thing. He goes, "Oh, oh, really? Diverse cast? Where is the Latinx person?" And so I I wrote back and I said, um, "Please have a look at the cast again. I think you'll see that represent. You'll see them represented." And then he writes back and he goes, "Oh, really? One?" And I went, <laughs> "Okay." Uh, I said, "All right. Um, you know, we did our best. Can you please?" cast the show in, and, and pretend that you don't have to worry about any availability. You don't, everybody that you want in an ideal fantasy yeah. world is available. Please show me your cast. And I'm, you know, I'm interested to see like, who would you cast? And, and he goes, oh, only if you pay me. So I wrote back and I said, sure, I'll pay you, you know, show me the cast. He goes, he goes, well, uh, I haven't got time for this. And it's like, <laughs> Ben, well, I think on, to be dude. fair, Phil, he was worried about the taxes, which is why he didn't want to take the job <laughs> offer. Yeah, I got the thing. But listen, I, we're not we're not perfect. And and if somebody has a suggestion, I mean, we have twelve spots. We want old. We want young. We want black. We want white. We want every shade of different stories. We want all the different things. It's incredibly hard. But I'm looking at that cash and I'm going. I'm really proud of what we have there. And and. Can anything be better? Absolutely. Are there other stories that we'd like to share? Yeah, let's do it in season two, but we can't do everything in season one. (laughs) Phil, I I bet you must have uh, been really overwhelmed by the responses for the casting call uh, that you at the end of the episode. If you want to be a part of season two, uh, send in an application. And I have to feel like that there must be such exposure for the show of so many people that had no idea this was a thing and Mm, then are watching it and either having a loved one or than saying like oh i could do this I, i'll tell you something funny rob early on when i was uh I, I started working on the casting linda linda goodridge actually goes back to a test that we did for this show in 2013 i i did a, the first presentation pitch official pitch for this goes back to 2010 so and then it got very close uh in 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 2013 it got close again in 2017 and then obviously got the pickup but along the way we've we've picked up these characters and there's some characters that weren't available for season one that go right back to 2013 as well um but yeah early on about uh the end of um the end of 2017 i started like reaching out to people I'd look online to find out like stories about different people. And I, I, I found a way of reaching out and um, everybody of course thought it was a scam. And if I reached out to a woman, it, it's challenging. Cause it's like, who is this guy? What is he, you know? And I would say, there's this show. Well, tell me more about the show. I said, well, we don't, it's not, a, you know, what networks are going to be on? I said, it's not officially on, but you know, I do host a show for amazing race. Anyway, I had this one back and forth with this woman and she was, she was like, she was convinced that I was, you know, somehow, uh, stalking her or something and so she got me the to send a new video. zealand prince scam 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is this mucking around? <laughs> Clearly, mucking there. around, mucking around. So I, I, she said, I need to see you holding my name up next to your face. Uh, I need you to send me a photo. So I did, and she goes. That's just photoshopped. I need you to be dancing while you're holding my name. I'm like, all right, that is a step too far. Who's catfishing whom now? Oh, yeah. right. The person sounds like the most fun, like, uh, kidnap victim of, like, send a picture of a paper while you're dancing a jig. So she she just wrote to me. And she said, oh, my God, I feel so bad. I'm, I put you through hell. I will apply for season two. And now I see that it really was a legitimate request. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, took a, it took the show being made to, like, get to our, get over the, the hump there. Incredible. Oh, That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Crazy times. Um, so I do have I, I do have a question for you guys. Yes. Have you, have you noticed anything about the way – the show is shot that makes it different from other shows. Is there anything that uh, uh, you, you look at the show, you look at the content and it has to do with the visuals. Is there anything where you look at it and you go, Oh, that's different. I, I, I now I see what they're doing. Between episodes. You mean like between last week and this week? No, it's, it's going to be for the whole series, but something that's consistent from episodes, the first two episodes and, and now this third one. Is there anything that you noticed mm. about the visuals at all? Pop quiz. Uh, we have silence. I think, can we have a little spec mix music just to fill yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, just to, okay. uh, some, think, some thinking music. Yeah. Oh, man. Get that to your back mm, yeah. ASAP. Um, I feel like one of the things I noticed is that uh, it feels like uh, that you guys use a lot of uh, drone shots uh, in terms of uh, just like uh, a, a lot of stuff uh, shot from uh, overhead. Yep, a lot of drone stuff. But um, should I, I put you out of your misery and tell you? Well, I was going to say, I, I feel like you guys, and maybe it's because just in comparison to the race, there's a lot more use of like slow-mo shots, whether it's like hammering a nail or like what we saw with the, ch- the uh, overtime challenge this week of like cutting through the tires to really like focus in on those activities and be able to slow down the action a little bit. That's, that's the one thing that I've really noticed. Yeah, and we had a, a, an amazing shooter that I worked with on National Geographic um, he's one of the best uh, long lens shooters, does a lot of wildlife stuff. So the, the team that we had, the, this, the, the, the cinematographers, uh, they're all cinematographers, directors in their own right. And one of the things I wanted to do was to give them autonomy so that rather than directing this through a box where somebody was telling everybody what to do, I, I blocked it out with the DP, blocked out the show and the camera positions and everything. And then I wanted them to and everybody had a certain assignments of certain people and certain action, but I wanted them to have the autonomy to then bring their natural flair. And they're all award-winning cinematographers. I was very, very lucky to get them. And um, they were all there with me because they really believed in the content. So hopefully you, in the cinematography, you're seeing something that is a little standout. But the choice that we made, the biggest choice that we made, and have a look at this, is almost uh, every single shot is backlit. Hmm. Right. So most shows are flatly lit. Like if you look at a studio show, if you watch American Idol or, you know, they're obviously the, the lighting is amazing. It makes you look you know, incredible. But almost every single shot is backlit. So when we set up the staging for each of the challenges, we deliberately pointed the cameras into the sun. 
Now, a few years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do that because cameras didn't have the, the latitude. My first job was a film camera assistant. So I had uh, years of formal training as a cinematographer. And uh, and so I've always taken a really vested interest in, the, in in cinematography. But in order to make it different, but not people not necessarily know why it, it, it's if you look at the shots, they're all backlit. So you see a lot of you know, it gives a, a nice glow around them. But it also uh, the other thing we did was we we graded the show in a in a nostalgic way inspired by ectochrome and kodachrome mm -hmm. so one of the one of my favorite books is is this book here which is in the library of congress it's called um bound for glory and it's america in color uh 1939 to 1943 and ectochrome uh and kodachrome um really changed the look of photography um and there's something about it when you look at it it has kind of a nostalgic look about it like a day you know the days gone by so in everything on the show the work whistle which many americans remember and and still in some towns today they still use the old cincinnati work whistle and when you hear it you know it evokes all those feelings of the past uh the punch in cards you know yeah you could use an app but no it's a call back to the past the stickers is, is something that is a callback to the past there's a lot of stuff that's a callback to the past and, and including the way that we graded this very inky uh, deep uh, black levels on the on the grade and and saturated uh, color and then that all comes through also through the through the backlight. So I just wanted to mention that to you. It's not something that we necessarily wanted people to go. Oh, look, they backlit it and it looks kind of like ectochrome. <laughs> mm -hmm. But hopefully, hopefully, the texture of the show it 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 plays up when 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 dust is backlit, it shows up more. When sand and any dust in the air, so it. it it, it creates more of a texture and, and it has a, a, a rougher look We're we're not shying away from making it look uh, not not making it clean. So it's anything but clean and flashy. No pyrotechnics. Hopefully you notice all the graphics are very like um, they're very organic. We, we don't use like white flashes in the show. It's we've tried to just make it simple, old school, kind of a callback to the past. So you're calling it dirty cams for short. <laughs> dirty cams. Yes. Dust on the if you've got dust on the lens and you're pointing into the sun, yes, you're going to see all of that. And it's, I, it's noticed, sorry, go I ahead. noticed I had noticed that the colors were very different from like yes. your typical, especially like the you know the forty five seasons of Amazing Race I've seen. The colors on this were very different. Um, yes, and I I don't think I would have been able to name what that was. And also, everything felt like it was being shot at four o'clock in the afternoon. The way the angle you had of the light, but yes. I, I understand on some level, all of that is a choice. I never get to understand what the choice is or why. And so that's really cool. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, um, I, I think the whole point is that you don't, you don't necessarily want people to know. It's just that you, it, it's, it's just, it's a layer that hopefully evokes some feeling rather than like you, mm. the best sound mixing and the best cinematography is, is, is not necessarily something that should be distracting or take away from the story. It should enhance the story. And the best mixes are the ones that you don't notice. But um, the guy who uh, um, who mixed Hidden Figures and who mixed Laride also uh, mixed is mixing this show. Um, and he's a guy who's you know mixed high-end blockbuster movies. But we also wanted to bring in, again, a layer. Hopefully you're seeing that in the sounds like a layer, a cinematic uh, layer of production value. Uh, like last night when the 
crowbar falls on the ground off the uh, um, off the off Young's table and hits the ground. There's nothing there, and you know, in the footage, and and the viewer's not necessarily going to notice that that crowbar hits the ground. But that's the level of detail that we're trying to get into to make it as feel as real world as as possible. You don't want people to go, oh, I just heard the crowbar fall. But it you you're, you're making note of it subliminally, and you're 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 going, oh, that seems to to fit in. And so it's it's about trying to create this to pull the audience into this into this 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 world and make them feel like they're there in that moment watching, you know, the the overtime. Phil, uh, could we ask some uh, questions about uh, the challenges that we saw on the episode last night at the sure. ju- at the junkyard? Uh, well, yeah. One of the one of the things that I was uh, really curious about was that uh, the teams are are cutting up the cars, and uh, we a- ended up seeing Lee's team. They end up they put that, like that big second piece of the car on top of the other car, and you're saying in the narration of uh, like, are are they going to be able to to get it into the box? Uh, are are you just watching to see if it's going to balance on top of there, or yeah, with, yeah th- <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what we told them was, here's a box, here's a car, put the car in the box. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, a lot of jo- the, the, the simplicity of jobs are great because one of the things um, that I find challenging with shows is where there's just too much explanation about how it all works. You'll get 10 points if you do that and five points if you do this. And then if that happens, this happens. We just love the simplicity of here's an alternator. Find me an alternator. Here's a car. Yeah. Put it in a box. Here's a tire, take it off the rim. And um, it, it allows you to get into it, uh, get into the action faster. But yeah, by whatever means that you can put this car in that box and get the job done, figure it out, right? There's no uh, hard, fast rules about how it's done. Just got to get it done. And so early on, I figured, well, there's no way if you put a big piece like that, it's eating yeah. up so much of the interior of the box. How the hell are you going to now balance everything else you know, in that box, it's got to go above now the where the where the top of the box is. So to get everything piled up inside that box is going to be incredibly difficult. And I love that little piece from Melissa where she goes, "We just backed away," and then she did that truck backing up sound. <laughs> beep, yeah. Beep, beep, oh. beep. Here, th- oh. th- this one, Phil. And we slowly, like a big old semi truck, more like the beep, beep. <laughs> And unfortunately, it's also yeah. the AG for her uh, life in the game over the course oh, of this no. episode. <laughs> Flat line oh, by the end. Wow, God. that was tough, Mike. Um, yeah. Tough as nails. Tough as nails. But yeah, I think the interesting thing about this challenge, and I will say that I think of the three episodes so far, last night was probably my favorite. And I think one of the reasons I really liked that car challenge was, to your point, Phil, was the openness of it. You know, I do think that like something like the railroad challenge, for instance, nobody has experience with that so like and you outlined a process to use this one you got to see firsthand linnet versus lee in terms of the tools that they took where linnet is a welder so she's like great call me rob lowe i've got a grinder here let me you know mark my way down it yes that's like a 2014 brand joke very topical uh and then but lee's like give me the the what the sawzall is the is the name of the tool and he just it turns out that that is mightier than the grinder and that he was Mm -hmm. able to literally cut an entire car in half and able to pile everything up together yes and I love that uh, it teaches us things that might actually be useful someday i didn't know that if you want a car window to smash you hit it in the corner and i didn't yeah. know that american cars have the alternators on the top and foreign cars have the alternators underneath everything 
Yes, so exactly. And, and and that again, that was, you know, and how funny was Lee in that challenge with the alternate? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah. And, and what you're going to see as time goes on, obviously, more and more people get cut from that individual competition. But then they become part of the gallery with me. And, um, you know, in an early version of the format, we were you know, I was contemplating having uh, like kind of like outside team leaders for the teams. And um, but one of the best things that ever happened was we got to test the show uh, last May. Um, and uh, like, yeah, last May we did like a whole mock up of the show. CBS funded that test. And out of that test, we realized, no, hold on a second. All the all, all the commentary and and all the feedback we need and all of the um, uh, the, the drive and inspiration it comes from the people that we have on the show. We don't need like another element in there. Just keep it simple. Let them figure it out. Let them become their own uh, cheerleaders and and be their own bosses and figure it out. Uh, can I ask Phil? So obviously, you know, it does seem like these episodes sort of have themes around them for the week. The week before was sort of like a train theme week. This was a car week. Seems like next week, as you said, you're going to the range. When you're planning out the season, is it just like you think about the, the the areas of work that you want to emphasize and then sort of break down the challenges from there? Or is it more, these are the challenges we want to do. Let's organize them into to bundles. Yeah, so it really was... Um starting with a list of ideas of things like the coal shoveling came from my grandfather who who's uh who told me stories about his father who was a gold miner um and then there were other relatives that we had that were coal miners and he would say that they would have these coal shoveling competitions and whoever won could go to the pub and they wouldn't have to buy a drink um and so and it was kind of like this pride thing that you know you're the best you're the best at shoveling a ton of coal my, I used to build fences with my dad. My dad has a PhD in agronomy and so in agriculture. So I learned how to do irrigation with him and build fences. And so that that came from from him. Um, and then the, the, the mechanic part of it, again, um, the, the, the alternator part of it came from my grandfather showing me uh, how to use a car. Um, but then also, you know, a great challenge team that also came up with ideas for uh for, for challenges, things that were in their family. And we made a, a real point of trying to hire people, a really diverse group of people who had some connection to, to, to working class people. Um, because if you take people who have never had some time on the farm, or just as you mentioned, you know, the fact that you have that connection with a relative who, who comes from that world or understands that world, that gives you a sense of, an un- of understanding. And so it was important that we didn't have a bunch of city slickers or townies that didn't understand why they were so uh, proud of doing their job. Like if, if there's a disconnect in that, then it's very hard to have the empathy to be able to tell their story because you literally just don't get their story. You don't, you're coming from a different world. You know, I mean, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a huge part of, again, having the right people, who have the right sensibilities to be able to make your show. One of the things we saw last night was the introduction of, in the challenge, the person who came in first, Phil, ended up uh, getting an advantage. So uh, Murph end up, ended up, uh, even though he was struggling, coming back with the first alternator, he wins an advantage in uh, a future challenge. Is that going to be a every week thing? The person who finishes first in the individual challenge gets an advantage? Not always, um, but sometimes uh, the 
you know, sometimes you want that incentive to, to have people go as hard as they can to, to, to know that there is an advantage. Like they can't just cruise because they look over and they see that someone's way behind them. So they're like, oh, I can just finish in the middle of the pack. You want that drive. But to be honest with you, we didn't have to really manufacture that. There, there was a pride that they wanted that win. Um, and then, you know, with, with regards to the overtime, the reason for that is it's very diff- diff- different when you're competing in a group as opposed to a one-on-one. Mm. And that was the mental toughness part that we wanted to add to the show where it was like one-on-one now where uh, Lee and, and uh, sorry, Young and, and uh, Melissa are head-to-head. And you see she gets ahead and then Young just refuses to give up. And that is, again, because it's only one-on-one and it's all on the line, that, that battle becomes... Uh, that battle becomes hugely important as far as measuring mental toughness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, there's the physical part of it, but then there's also the the mental part of it. That And so that's really what that was all about. And um, you're going to see a lot of that. And next week you're going to see something that uh, kind of turns the whole uh, series on, on its end. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Next week is, is really good. Ooh. Uh, yeah, next week has a, 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 a one of the best overtimes of the season. Um, it's very dramatic, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Young has really become like the comeback kid where uh, that he's gone uh, into the overtime twice. And both times uh, that it seemed like that uh, that he was like on the brink of blowing it and then has managed to uh, pull it out in the end. Yes, exactly right. And uh, um, th- that's, again, uh, uh, something that you want, right? You want it. You want that. You want to see that grit and determination. People are like, why did you get people to do burpee push ups? It wasn't just about the number that, you know, did they do 100 or did they do 140 in the eight minute period? It was more about, well, when they got to breaking point, when they got to the sheer, uh, you know, where they just looked like they had nothing left, did they keep going or did they stand up and say, I can't do anymore? What, what did they do? And so we we literally used that as more of a test of their mental resilience or their, sorry, their resilience rather than just their physicality. Yeah. So, I mean, despite, you know, Young really now sporting a 2-0 elimination record, I don't know. I really felt bad losing Melissa here. I think something that really struck with me was you didn't outright ask this, but I think we're finding out more and more what people would do with the $200,000 if they won it. And I found it such a discrepancy and not to say that one is worth more than the other, but, you know, Young saying, I'm going to use this money to really pay back my parents who have really, you know, built literally built a life for me here. Versus Melissa, who says, I would use this to help my day-to-day life. You know, like my yeah. my wife grew up on a farm. She knows firsthand, like the rigors and the finances that get poured into doing that each and every day. And so it was so interesting to, to your point, I think something that gets incorporated into that mental toughness is, is the question of like, what are you fighting for? Why are you here? And to see such different reasons, even behind those two people, let alone all 12 of them, is another reason why like each person is so different in their own capacity as to why they're on the show. Yeah, and, and you, you've hit on why we want the audience to get invested. There are a lot of people who are immigrants who get the sacrifices that their parents made uh, to come to this country. And so for, for Young, it's very important for him to pay back to his parents who gave him the life that his parents parents never had and mm. for his 
for his family to get back to see their family in Korea. So, um, yeah, you could you could argue the 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 value or the importance of of one over the other. But here's what I will say is that, um, yes, the winner gets two hundred thousand dollars and they get the, the, the Ford pickup truck. But there's also over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of prizes in the team challenges throughout the series. And nobody, Melissa, nobody on the show goes home without money in their pocket. Everybody has money when they leave the show. Some get more than others. But that to me is is speaks to, again, we asked them to come on the show. They gave up time from work. It's a sacrifice to, for any of them to come onto the show. We just didn't like the idea of having anybody come in and go home empty handed. Now, it's not, oh, everybody's a winner because that's not the case. Not everybody is a winner. Not everybody can win that title. There is going to only be one tough as nails champion. But when you now have this opportunity to be able to come back, like now from Melissa, next week we go to the farm and it's all about team for her now, right? Her focus, her sole focus is if I win on my team and I can come through for my team, I'll win money for them. I'll win money for me. And that's where my focus is now. So there's a lot of redemption on this show where someone gets cut from the individual, but then they have this chance to come back and say, I'm going to show you I'm better. I'm, you know, like I'm better than you might think I am. And I'm going to show you why, because now I'm going to lead. And you're going to see situations where someone who gets beaten out in the individual competition by one individual actually has a moment of redemption against that very same person and beats them in a roundabout way, beats them. And it's clear that they're better than them at doing something later down the line when they're, they come face to face in the team competition. So there's a lot of moments of redemption. And to me, that idea that you can try to come back and prove yourself and find a different way to be relevant to me just adds another layer to it. It's not absolute. It's not like all or nothing because life isn't like that. You know, you, 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 you have a bad crop one year on a farm and you work like crazy and you don't beat out the farmer next to you, but then next year you find a way to come back from that. And then you do outsell them the next year. So these moments of redemption is so important because that's what makes somebody to me tough is resilience and the ability to go, okay, I I didn't get that one, but it's not an absolute. Like when Lynette speaks about, you know, leaving a legacy, it gets you right here because you realize it's more than just that one thing. It's something else she's still got to give and she's not going to give up. That's not going to stop her. We all get stopped in our tracks uh, in, in life. It's our ability to pick up you know, like how many times did, did I get no on making this series, but I just kept going to make it because I just believed. And look, by the way, there's no guarantee that it's going to continue. But just to get to this point, to have this opportunity has given me it's this a moment of redemption for me too. you know, like getting to this point. Just like you with all those uh, critics on Twitter, Phil, that are saying, <laughs> hey, why did you send them on a vacation? Why, why yeah. did you send to the fantasy suite? Why don't you pay me to make yeah. the show? Yeah, I want to talk to the person who said, why don't you send them to the fantasy suite specifically? <laughs> no, but you know, you know what I, what, what I got taught, uh, what I got taught early on from my family was it's, it's easier to critique than it is to create mm. and creators, uh, creators put this stuff out there, right? You, you, you try something, people mortgage their homes to make a movie. they, they go to the ends of the earth to make something happen. They try to start a business. 
And then there's always the people that want to like just go, oh, that movie was crap or that. Oh, that was never going to work. And if you look at those people who are hypercritical, the ones that are always criticizing instead of they're the ones that don't create. And I often will say to, you know, people go, oh, that show sucks or this sucks or whatever. And I'm like, you know, show me what you're talking about. Like, give me an opportunity to critique something that you've made and you've poured your heart and soul into. And then we'll have a conversation about, you know, what what works and what doesn't work. How the hell does anybody know? Why is it that somebody as successful as Mark Burnett can throw out as many shows as he's had and not every single one sticks? You go like, oh, you were so successful with Survivor. This other show sucked. Yeah, but he still put it out there. He still found a way to get something made. You have to give credit to anybody who gets out of the gate, who gets something on the air. Like we've we've got to get away from just pointing fingers, right, wrong, good, bad, and try to see what is right in the world and and instead of constantly like just zeroing in on being a pessimist and pointing out what's wrong. And so I, I, I would, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I only say, I only say that because I, I, you have to take some time to admire somebody for just giving it a go because that's hard. It's like, you're throwing everything out there. It's like, here it is, you know, here's my painting. What do you think? You know, well, I, you know, I like the colors. It's not you know, necessarily something that, but, Maybe they, you know, did something that it's more about what they poured into it and the passion doesn't have, does it have to be, you know, something where you just want to like trash it? So I, I admire anybody for making anything and I admire these, this cast for putting themselves out there um, and taking time off work to come to the show and to share a little bit of their, of, of their life with us. Yeah. And that's the thing as well is that, I mean, I will, I will admit, uh, you know, I, I admire young in that capacity. I will say maybe he's not my favorite at the moment. I do feel kind of sad that, you know, I, I love Lynette and I, I really started to grow a soft spot in my heart for Melissa as well. So to have young eliminate them both, it hits, it hits my heart to a certain extent, even though there is sort of a fun edit of him walking into every challenge and literally saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> he's that meme of the golden retriever at the console keyboard saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, from that aspect, I think he certainly brings like I think he has a great sense of humor, too. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's been it's been like Rob said, he sort of has been like our elimination uh to use an amazing race term from the internet bottom goddess where he's been able to claw his way out of elimination each and every week but i'll be intrigued to see like if he finds his rhythm eventually or if it's more so going to be like the he'll have his young his little firefighter moments like with the windows and then otherwise be like i don't know exactly what's going on here yeah and then, and then what i love about young is his admission of what he's good at and what he's not good at and also, he's representing, you know, as he said in the interview, he never saw people like him on TV. And he certainly mm-hmm. never saw someone who he says looks like him that was in a fire department. So it was a big deal. For, you know, his family was not like overly supportive of the idea that he was going to be in the fire department. Why aren't you going to university, become a lawyer or, you know, do something else? Because, you know, in his family, that was the expectation. But no, he went against the grain to do something different. So he doesn't have a legacy of firefighters in his family but he to me is a pioneer in the sense that he decided to try something new and different so i again i admire anybody for deviating off the standard operating procedure and trying something new and subjecting themselves to sometimes being criticized or being judged or whatever but you know we we got enough of the 
pointing fingers and you know this what's right and what's wrong and i can't believe you know i i i think he's um you know there's going to be some young asian girls and 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 boys who are watching this show who are going to say wow i could be a firefighter too right dad you know like maybe that's what he'll end up doing on the show and there's nothing wrong with that because again we're trying to we're trying to instill and celebrate the pride that they all feel for what they do. Yeah. And uh, just uh, to uh, reiterate this point, uh, the show is also a, a great show for kids and for families, too, yes. uh, that uh, you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about uh, them going to the fantasy suite or anything like that. Either. <laughs> yeah, our kids no, all really love it. I, 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 yeah. And, and, and look, there's, there's uh, not only, I mean, that's one of the things I love about Amazing Race is just the fact that it is a family show. Everybody can sit down and watch it. And that was kind of what we wanted with this. And I've heard from kids, um, you know, that some kids get really, you know, got really invested in their characters. And but they they're relieved when they find out that the people that they like are not going home mm. um, and they're going to stay and they're going to get to see them next week. And that doesn't that, that doesn't make them less of a fan. It makes them more of a fan because now they want to see, well, OK, how are they going to how are they going to cope with this? You know, how are they going to come back from this and find a way to uh you know to to resolve this or to have some um some way of 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 having some closure with something that was very challenging for them phil while we have you here today i i want to just uh talk a little bit more about my favorite character on the show roofer lee can you just uh oh. give us uh, uh, rob uh, you mean junkyard dog <laughs> yeah, so you can call him a uh, junkyard dog Roofer Lee, um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how, how you found Lee through casting? Yeah, so uh, Roofer Lee, 62 years old, was who has no uh, email or uh, he's not involved in social media in any way, but he's driving to work. smart. And, and, and he's listening to the radio, and his wife is also listening to the radio, and I'm in St. Louis on a casting tour. I've got a, a portable stage set up and I'm inviting people to come down to this down, downtown in St. Louis to cast for a new show called Tough as Nails. So I'm on there and I'm going, if you think you're tough or you know somebody who is, come on down right now, jump up on the stage and tell me why. So his wife is listening in on the radio and calls him and goes, Lee, did you hear that? This guy from Amazing Race, he's, he's down downtown. You should stop off there on the way to work. So Lee's like, really? He goes, she goes, yeah, go, go. So he turns up, he rocks up. As soon as I see the big smile on his face, I'm like, this guy's got like telegenic qualities. He's just a very good looking guy. He's got that big warm smile and he rocks up and he shakes my hand, which is the size of a dinner plate. And, uh, you know, like crushes my hand. He's so powerful and strong. And I interview him and I ask him what he does for a job. And he says he lifts thousands of pounds every day up on top of a roof and that he will outwork anybody. And I look in his eyes and I see this guy is serious. He's what you could call country strong. He looks like my uncle who's 72, that determination in his eyes. I have a 72 year old uncle who's a railway engineer who as was a New Zealand arm wrestling champion. He can fix anything. He's like, you know, like most of my family working class. And, and I see something, the same sort of qualities as my uncle Jim in Lee. And then he tells me he's a granddad and I'm like, okay. And then he tells me he will beat anybody and he never backs away. And he will. And I'm, and I'm like, I believe you, Lee, I believe you. So 
he goes through the audition process. Everybody falls in love with him. And he has some lines throughout this series that are like, we need a book of Leisms. Mm. This guy is, uh, he goes, you know, I don't know if you heard it. I'm not sure if you said it in, in these episodes, take the pop, take the top off, baby. Boom. Um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and there's another one he's got coming down the line, uh, about Michelle, um, which is a really good, I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to pick it up next week, but it's a, it's a fantastic quote about Michelle because he thinks, you know, Michelle is legit. And, uh, and yes, he's one of our favorite characters for sure. Yeah, I mean, Lee, I mean, also Lee was like in his chocolate factory this episode, right? His Willy Wonka <laughs> atmosphere of like, he's he's like, great, we're staying in the, the uh, you know, the, we're staying in the junkyard, we're, we're staying in the, uh, the, the car part here, pick a part, great, because I'm going to do everything here. And, you know, while Lee might have gotten a bit outrun during the individual portion, like he was such a leader in that first yes. challenge, but it does really oh. feel like this was this was his episode. It was his episode, and honestly, I think he's going to become one of the all-time, and you'll see it, he's going to become one of the all-time favorite reality stars. I'm not kidding. If this series continues and people keep watching and they get to see what happens to him leading all the way up to the very end of the show, there's a moment coming up in, 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 in a later episode where Lee becomes he's going to become iconic. I mean, he, he shines, uh, bright like a diamond. I mean, he is like, uh, he is like, Liana. yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Liana. Yeah. Thank you very much. Listen, I, I just realized that we've been talking for an hour and 16 minutes and, uh, I'm getting, um, I'm getting mad text. Still, I'm say no more. Mixing, this was mixing was, this was amazing. This was, this was so so wonderful uh, to get to catch up with you. Uh, your passion comes through the screen for what you're talking about, uh, Phil. Uh, the listeners and uh, all of us really greatly appreciate all the time today. Yeah, listen, and I want to say this to everybody who is listening and to you. Um, you know, nothing any of us make as 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 program makers, as producers is perfect. You know, uh, if it was, every show would work and uh, well-known producers would never miss the mark. Um, so constructive criticism is always I'm open to constructive criticism. If somebody wants to cast season two and says, you know, we, we felt like these stories were missing. I'm open to that. My whole thing is be constructive. You know, if you're going to if you if there's something that irks you or you don't like or you want to change or whatever, that's great. That's fine. And everybody has an opinion. I, I, I welcome that. But be constructive. Uh, be constructive with it and say, what about this? What about that? And of course, in this world, which is totally uh, subjective, like with anything, who the hell knows what the magic mix is, or the magic potion. If we knew what it was with Survivor and Amazing Race, we'd do it every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, be constructive with the criticism, and I welcome that from you guys. And um, yeah, and and uh, I hope uh, you know. Feel free to reach out anytime you want me on to clarify something or uh, you know push back on something that you feel like we could do better because. We know we can be better. Season ones are very, very difficult. We're just designing this out of the gate. We made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of things we'd like to do differently. And, uh, you know, every show has to have that. It's a journey. And season one, absolutely the hardest thing to do because the number of decisions you're making is through the roof. What color is the font? What what type of font? Where does it go? Upper, lower? What's the grade look like? What cameras? How do you, So 
be patient, but uh, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. If you hang with us, you will not be disappointed where this series ends up. It, it delivers. As somebody who's a reality TV fan, this show will deliver if you get invested in it. Okay, the great Phil Kogan. Yeah. I'm out of here. All right, bye, Phil. Thank you so much. Bye, Phil. Thanks. You you need to get rid of me because I don't know how to get rid of me off yeah. this thing here. So. Okay, you could just uh, you just close the browser window. Okay. Punch out, Phil. Right. Punch. Phil's punching out. Okay. Oh, oh my yeah. god, that was awesome. <laughs> yes. All right. How was that? Wow. Well, first off, Rob, uh, he cut you up like a car with the sauce <laughs> with your music cues. No, I, I love it. Look, Mike, uh, as a as a podcast creator, that you know, uh, that I, I welcome the the criticism. No one is no one is immune to criticism. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely not. Oh, that was so much fun. And the the great thing about it too is obviously with the recent news involving Survivor, I guess one of the bright sides is that you know Amazing Race has sort of now permanently filled that Wednesday eight slot. So it mm. seems like we're going to be watching Phil Kogan until the end of 2020, assumingly speaking, if these shows line up perfectly. Yeah. So uh, a lot of Phil here in 2020. If anybody's looking for a bright spot here in 2020, a uh, lot lots of uh, Phil to go around here. <laughs> Uh, in this year um we covered a lot from the episode but i feel like that there's probably some points from uh our episode three technically mm-hmm. that was uh last night that we didn't get to cover uh jess uh any observations that you had about uh the events at the junkyard that we haven't uh, really hit on yet um i thought it was really interesting that the individual challenge hits and lee knows immediately something that's going to help him and he shares this information with everybody and then is not the first person back and is not even the second or yeah. third person back. He kind of five hold it. Yeah, and I, I was not got... going to bring that up in front of Bill because then we'd have to tell him what a five hold <laughs> yeah. is. But uh, I, I did feel like that Lee got a little overconfident in uh, the second half of the challenge. Like they won the team challenge. And then, you know, once, uh, you know, Phil holds up the alternator in uh, the, the junkyard and then uh, he wants to know what that is. And, and, and Lee is just like uh, such a like a uh, class, like no, it all with it with his yeah. hand up. Phil doesn't call him. What is him. this? That's an alternator. That's an alternator. The alternator main purpose of it is to keep your car charged up, so it keep all your instrument running. Yes. Okay, Lee. We know I, you know. I do love teacher Phil posing questions. Like even earlier on in the episode, Phil's like, "Anybody know where you are?" And yeah. everyone's like, "Junkyard." Like I thought he was going to ask him again the next day when they came back. Anybody know where you are? Yes, Phil. The same places yesterday <laughs> yeah well they were te- but they technically weren't right right like i think pick apart is different from a junkyard outright i think junkyard is like an informal name for something that has a more specific purpose it's like they're not all not all junkyards are pick aparts but all mm-hmm. pick aparts are technically mm-hmm. junkyards it's like a kleenex facial tissue thing the brand Maybe. is pick apart mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking uh, after this was that I, I wish I could uh, set the assistant on my phone to be Roofer Lee, where I could just ask ask questions. <laughs> what is this? That's an alternator. That's an alternator. The alternator main purpose of it is to keep your car charged up, so it keep all your instrument running. <laughs> yeah, good luck explaining to Lee what Siri is. <laughs> I also I was I I was so so tempted 
so close for when Phil said that Lee was going to become a fan favorite character to ask if we could call him Roof Pert from now on. But I, 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 I <laughs> no, remember oh, Phil. <laughs> Phil seemed like he was. Uh, we did an interview with Phil before the uh, oh, all yeah. the Aldi Star Maze race, and he was really like uh, uh, trashing Rupert. He was really hard on Rupert. Yes, yeah, so Roof Pert. Then you know, over Rupert any day. Not work. We were, Jess and I were like, boy, it seems like Phil doesn't love Rupert. <laughs> Um, also, uh, we were talking about the advantage, uh, every week, uh, that this is a roof or sheet rocker. I'm sorry. Drywall Danny. I got to get his, mm-hmm. uh, his name right. Well, also, Danny speaking, is a pretty good nickname. Speaking too. Of, we should also mention, I feel like we can talk a little bit more probably in the weeks to come about the intro that showed up. But the one thing I got was drywall or Danny on his stilts, holding a big piece of drywall above his head. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was something I noticed from his package from the week before where that they were showing Drywall Danny and they made such a big deal on the show like oh he's 5'6", but you know, he's doing a lot of like uh like hanging things over his head. So, the room that they got him in, I don't remember him wearing stilts in in that <laughs> yeah. room. That that must have been like a very a very uh like a low ceiling room for Some Drywall of those Danny. Old yeah. Or like Frank Lloyd, maybe it's a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Those yeah. have very low ceilings. Or maybe like Cirque du Soleil brought stock in his company. Yeah. Now they have to now he's like circus performer slash drywaller. Yeah, I, I hope it wasn't Roofer Lee's house that uh, Drywall Danny was putting the oh. ceiling in. Drywall Danny does the inside of the house, and then Roofer Lee does the outside. Yeah, well, wouldn't you think then Drywall Danny would be great at raising his hand for Phil's questions, considering that's apparently what he does all day is like the the Atlas pose. Yeah, well, you got to save it for the. Yes. Okay. Well, Drywall Danny's motion is uh, that uh, he puts things over his head, which then uh, translates to raising the roof, which then Lee literally has to do as uh, roofer Lee to fit <laughs> into his this, house. Isn't this technically raising the ceiling? <laughs> Raise the ceiling. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I guess the roof comes with the ceiling, unless there's like a hearthy attic in there. You could have a drop ceiling. <laughs> then you're not raising the roof. You're just raising. The Raise the drop ceiling. It doesn't flow as nicely. Okay. Does not. So Danny talked about uh, why he felt like that he needed the advantage, and uh, I-, I just wonder is is Danny uh, getting a, a, a little too like uh, in the weeds here with uh, what what the powers of the advantage could be. I've shined a little bit, so I think I might be on some people's radar. I don't want anybody else to have the advantage, because what if the advantage is actually giving a disadvantage to me? Yeah, mm, yeah. this is very Propstein logic of the advantage is a disadvantage. Yeah. That is not an advantage. Do you think, Jess, that the advantage on this show is going to be uh, give a disadvantage to another player? I feel like that's really not in keeping with the spirit of the show. It seem like this show. It's really not what this show is about. <laughs> yeah. I, and I was surprised to say to hear Phil say that they're going to argue with each other next episode because that really also doesn't seem like what mm-hmm. the show is about. But mm-hmm. we saw that, though. Like, I think not to get too ahead into next week, but it seems like their challenges are, I think the team one is they have to, like, set up a, a cattle fence. I think one of them is they have to lay pipe in, in a non-fantasy suite's uh, <laughs> manner of speaking. So I, it's it seems like there's a lot more... I think they're working in pairs, actually, for the individual challenge. So... There's going to be a lot more opportunity for that. And I, I mean, it makes sense. Like Phil said, when you have six pretty hard-headed individuals, I think the first couple of challenges, everyone's been pretty good at like not stepping on each other's toes pretty much. But I have to imagine as things accelerate and they get to know each other more that like the claws are going to come out in a manner of speaking. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you got to watch out. Yeah, are, you for the- gonna, are you saying they're going to stop getting polite and start getting real? 
Exactly. Exactly. Gonna say, you have to watch out for the the claw in the pick apart. I saw Toy Story three that the, the thing will come right down and like uh, pick well, up that but yeah, but car. That, that saved their lives though. It could be mm-hmm. worse. It could the claw be. Claw is our master. It's our friend. Exactly. Uh, can I go back? Can I go back to Junkyard Dog for a second? Because I'm so intrigued by this. Because Lee says he and his brother used to be called Junkyard Dog. And I don't know, is that like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing? Do they like share the title? Did he abdicate the title to his brother after he left the automotive game? Uh, were they maybe like sort of a, uh, that was like the name of their uh, the group, the Junkyard Dogs? It could be a whole dog pack. Mm-hmm. Mm, or maybe like one was Junkyard and one was Dog. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of had a a, a portmanteau there. Yeah. I also wish uh, that we had gotten to ask Phil a little bit more about the uh, walking around with all that cash. <laughs> yeah, I did love Phil. I guess I've forgotten that Phil like legitimately gives a wad of cash to the winning team. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but I do you, lo- you know that as soon as he, as soon as they turn the camera off, they have to give it back because they can't give you cash like that. Mm-hmm. Like they even do that on Cash Cab. Like uh, I don't know unless, unless it's fake cash that's blown up at Kinko's. I bet yeah, it's he not should real give cash. Them a giant, he should give them like giant money. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly uh, i also liked phil sort of like alluring them and being like a lot of benjamin franklin's here like yeah. I, don't, I don't think i've ever heard anyone refer because i've heard like you know all about the benjamins but i don't think everyone used his full proper name a lot of benjamin franklin's in my pocket right now mm-hmm. give him a break he's not american yeah that's true he was mucking about with those benjamin franklin's <laughs> yeah um one other thing that I had, uh, so Linda talked about um, how that she is not great with tools. Uh, she has a specific way that she hangs photos at her house. Uh, this is uh, a home improvement tip from Linda. <laughs> tools are not my forte. You go into my house and see how I have pictures hung on the wall. I hang things on level and then I'll stick a bullet above the now just so that it's level. Okay. Jess, how does that work? <laughs> does the weight, I think that maybe the weight of the bullet weighs down one side of the picture to make it level. Is that I what's going that on? Because uh, my initial image was that she nailed the picture down and she just shot the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you... Well, all of her pictures are just a big hole in the middle. Bullet? Yeah. Because then people are so paying so much attention to the bullet in the wall <laughs> that they don't, they don't know whether the picture's level or not. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's not a talking point. That, that's good. Yeah, I don't. I, really know. I, I also have a, a breaking news point on Linda because I was doing some research here. Uh, Linda is no longer a deputy sheriff. Yes, what is she? A roofing contractor. Oh. Oh. So this is the this is the pure magnetism of Rupert Lee. Like all of them leave their jobs at the end of the season <laughs> yeah. and go work for him. Yeah. That could be it. That this is actually just Lee's recruitment tool to bring everyone onto the roof. It's a long mm. game. Get up on the roof. Okay. All right, uh, Mike, anything else from episode number three that you want to uh, talk about? Yeah, the only other one was I had a quote from uh, the resident hottie frittati, Lewis. Uh, I think Lewis said something uh, after losing the challenge. Lewis said... I think, is that a Twitter account? The resident hottie frittati, Lewis? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I will also say, I don't know why I did so much um, so much social media snooping, but I found Young's... Hey, don't you have a family, Mike? I found Young's Instagram account. <laughs> yeah, aren't you moving? <laughs> <laughs> They're 24 hours in a day. This is show so is what you can yeah. do with your time don't you also uh, podcast eight hours a week about lost with josh wiggler exactly uh young's instagram handle is boomer dot three thousand <laughs> <laughs> okay 
<laughs> so I think we could, like, we now know what to say if, in case Young ends up not doing too well on another challenge. You say, okay, boomer.3000. <laughs> uh, but the, the one thing about, uh, you know, Lewis is Lewis said something after the challenge that I was particularly tickled by after his team lost. He said, our plan j- didn't just, you know, plan out the way we, you know, planned. And I believe he used the word the word planned in three different conjugal senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jess, it's also uh, a little bit not lost on me. The Toughest Nails is an interesting show that uh, it might be the only time that we've ever po- done a podcast where the host of the show listens to the podcast and we didn't get any feedback from anybody who was actually on the show. Yeah, that is that is a first. I think I've gotten a couple of times both, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, this is like, Phil is very concerned. I mean, part of it is he says it himself. He cast a bunch of people that don't know social yeah. media. Is that it possible really care. that the Tough as Nails cast is not a uh, the uh, pure demographic of podcast listeners? Yeah. I mean, let's look at Young's Instagram what, handle. <laughs> none of them know what a podcast is, Rob. I think we can safely say that. Yeah. Okay. Would we need to explain to Rufer Lee uh, what a podcast was before we could get him to listen? Could we make that a podcast where we get Rufer Lee on and we try to tell him what it is we do? Yeah, it's very serial-esque, right? Like the documentary of how we got Rufer Lee onto yes. the podcast. It wouldn't be like, uh, does anybody here know what a podcast is? What is this? That's an alternator. That's an alternator. <laughs> the alternator main purpose of it is to keep your car charged up so it keep all your instruments running. Yeah, and even based on Phil's casting story, uh, Rufer Lee, uh, an FM radio listener. <laughs> well, so we could just tell him it's like FM radio, but it's on demand. Mm-hmm. Which of the Tough as Nails cast uh, would be most likely to be listening to podcasts, Mike? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm, I, you know, I could, I feel like Lewis could do that. You know, Lewis? I feel like he's, he, he comes from New York City. I feel like that sort of is like the, the hip type of thing to do. Uh, I can imagine, I don't know, it depends like their work. Like I could, Callie spending long hours out no, on a boat. No Wi Fi on the boat. I guess you just download them before you I go out so. on your trip. Yeah, download a whole season and then you can listen to it in peace. <laughs> I could see episode. I could see Murph be like a subtle podcast listener, you know? Yeah. Like you like you'd sort of like just bring up a random quote from a podcast, like, oh yeah, I definitely listen to that. Yeah, what's Murph's <laughs> day job? I know about his Marines work. What does he do now? So he runs something. Uh, now I'm gonna have to look this up. Uh because I believe he runs like a veterans division at a college okay. is his day job. Okay. I feel like that drywall Danny, I think, has the best chance to be uh, like he's probably he might be in places that have Wi-Fi. feel like that you could listen to podcasts while you're hanging the yeah. sheetrock. I mean, as long as he's yeah, not as long as wearing like wireless earbuds, because otherwise, like with his yeah, hands being raised all the time, like he can't he doesn't want to get them get tangled. And, and I feel like that the drywall, I feel like that you could do that's like a job that you might be doing like uh, by yourself in a house, whereas uh, not that I am an expert in that. But I feel like a lot of these other jobs, like if you're on like a busy like factory floor or something like that like uh you need to be like paying attention with uh mm. both ears to things that are going on around you what about miles like miles spends all day in the woods right wouldn't that be a, a reason unless he wants to commune with nature instead of well, I, commune one side of the people you have to pay attention to nature too mm-hmm. you can't just tune it out while you're that's out good, there that's a good life lesson that's a good uh, way to get eaten dude yeah. Also, um, Murph is the director of the military and veteran success center at the university of central missouri okay that's cool yeah, that's a I, cool. Job. I did like speaking of Miles. I did like Miles coming back with the alternator that, uh, oh, like in, sl- in slow motion. Yeah, like it was like a, it was, yeah, Super with Bowl the hair highlight. going everywhere. That was great. Okay, yeah. 
All right. Um, I thought that the third hour of Tough as Nails was uh, the best hour uh, so Agreed. far. Yeah, if it's like this all the rest of the way through, this is going to be a very fun show to podcast about. Yeah, yeah the, the challenge was fun. Uh, even just like watching people cut stuff up has its <laughs> own sort of like fun quality to it. I thought the individual challenge was was like, as Phil said, like almost deceptive in its simplicity in that there was one step of, okay, people knew which cars to go for, but then there was this whole almost speedy aspect to it where like Danny grabs the car that everybody wanted. But then there was also a luck aspect. Like Linda ends up going for a car that's literally what two down from the peanut gallery. And it just had an alternator with one bolt on it. So it had a lot of stuff involved. And yeah, I much preferred this over time to the first one, maybe because, because it wasn't so physically based. It was not so one-sided as young versus Linnet was uh it was it was a it was back and forth it was very surprising to see young overtake uh, melissa there at the end yeah it felt like it much more anyone's game and it also i think it helps now we know the people yeah i think we need that introduction it's like our vegetables before the dessert and the dessert is now now we know who these people are we get a sense of them and now we can start really being invested in what they're doing and the fact that the challenges really gave people a chance to shine on many more levels than the previous ones was also really helpful. I also was impressed that I felt like I knew who everybody was uh, in this episode, where I feel like that even in like a Survivor season, I feel like uh, third hour in, I'm still like, oh, wait, which person is that? Which person is that? What are the teams? Uh, like, I couldn't tell you who's on uh uh, the uh, dirty hands and uh, oh yeah, who I, I couldn't tell you who's on which team, but I felt like that I, uh, I I know every single person and what they do for a living. Yeah, I want to actually ask about that because the Tough as Nails account put out a tweet saying which team do you support between Savage Crew and Dirty Hands, and I would love to hear you guys see if you have one before. Uh, I go to the people of it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess so. Are you a uh, a savage stan or are you a dirty hand stan? Let's see. Let's see. What are the two? What what are the, what are the two? Uh, yeah. So uh, so dirty hands is Callie, Danny, Roofer Lee, Linda, oh. Melissa, and Miles. Yeah. And then Savage Crew is Murph, Linnet, Lewis, Michelle. Tara and Young. Yes. Oh, I am a dirty hand stand uh, till <laughs> until I die. That uh, I and I, Mike. Uh, this is probably uh, gonna might get lost on uh, Jess, but I I hope that this becomes like a uh, Big Brother OTT style <laughs> war in the fandom oh, no. between where where are your allegiances? Are you dirty yeah. hands or you're tough as nails? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would love to see, you know, all the savage crew people savagely go after the other people yes. on Reddit about who they're supporting here. Jess, are, are, are you a loyalist to one side or the other? I haven't really picked a side yet. Okay. I think there are people I like on both of the teams. And I I think I want to wait until some of them start fighting with each other before I pick, like, who's better at fighting with each other. Then that'll determine my favorite. Yeah. Mike, what about you? So I'm torn because, yeah, I have people that I really like on both sides. I think I might. I'm Don't be a fancy Fencerton, Bloom. I know. Uh, well, they're building fancy Fencertons next <laughs> week. So maybe I could sit on that afterwards. I'm going to go with Savage Crew here uh, just because I, I really like Murph. I like Linnet. Uh, I love Michelle. Young has this really interesting story. Uh, so I think I, I'm liking, you know, if this was not a great week for them. 
even though Young ends up winning the the overtime, they still mm-hmm. lose the challenge. But I personally like them. It makes sense, Rob, that you and I are split because out of a record 36 votes on the Toughest Nails CBS uh, social media account, it is tied 50-50 in the poll that they put <laughs> There's out. only 100 votes? Uh, 36, no, less than 100. Okay, all right. Well, I, I will cast my vote for Dirty Hands. And I think that let's invite the listeners of the podcast to tell us mm. uh, which which team are you uh, standing right now? Uh, and then we need to have names uh, for our for our stand groups uh, that I think that we should be hashtag hand stands uh for oh, I like that. dirty hands. better than dirty stands <laughs> yes hashtag hand stands uh and mike what about for the savage crew what, I feel what like are, Sav- savage stands is a good one savage right stands okay all right or uh, standvage <laughs> standvage or the crew crew okay uh savage stands or hand stands uh let it let us know and jess hopefully that you can pick a side next week I might have to vote twice so I can vote for each side. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Anything else? Tough as nails week three. No. All right. So we'll be back with next week uh, to talk about life on the farm. So uh, I'm I'm excited about that. Again, it seems like the drama gets kicked up a notch. Phil alluded to the fact that apparently this is one of the best overtimes of the entire season. Mm -hmm. So listen, if the graph of this show is like going nowhere but up, that is very promising for a first season. I am so happy. And I'm just still over the freaking moon that Phil came on. Honestly, that was like, really highlight, fun today. Highlight of my 2020 mm-hmm. is getting to talk with Phil and have him, you know, throw some shade at us, but also like the passion he has for this show in particular is yeah. so palpable. And it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to have such a great showrunner who really believes in the product, like supporting it from head to toe. Yeah. yeah I've never, I've never heard of a showrunner like being this invested in a show to like respond to all the Twitter comments and, like offer to hire people who are criticizing him and come on our podcast to explain to us what we've gotten wrong. Like I've certainly had amazing race yep. contestants sliding into yep. my DMS being like, this is what you got wrong. Never had Phil do it. Yeah. All right. Well, this is uh, really, really fun today. All right. Uh, Jess, what else are you working on these days? Um, we've got the we've got our rewatch of the mole uh, mole patrol over on reality rehab ups with Josh Wiggler and Brooklyn Zed and myself and it is a an absolute delight every week we are having so much fun with it if you are a fan of any kind of will Anderson trash- Cooper be joining you on oh, the mole we are patrol trying. this is going to be my my summer quest my in, my Instagram quest we're trying to figure out all the best ways to get people to get his attention so he'll come on our podcast. So that's the next frontier mm-hmm. is we want Anderson to come on and like thoroughly explain mm-hmm. all the things we're getting wrong about the mole. Yeah, I hear he does remember. have a very uh, Lee-esque approach to social media on certain channels. <laughs> yeah, I, that's definitely his Twitter. Um, but we're going to get him to come on and like tell us everything that we got wrong because he has a perfect memory for something that happened 18 years ago, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yes. Um, so that's going on. And then over on post-show recaps, we're going to be dropping um, Shannon Gus and Kristen McInnes and myself this morning just wrapped up um, a breakdown of season one of The Babysitter's Club, which just dropped on Netflix. And that was a lot of yeah, fun Can as you well. tell me about this? So this was uh, not on my radar as a uh, 41-year-old man. Uh, <laughs> so can you, can you tell me what is it? Uh, what is this? This was a uh, a modern day remake 
Yeah, it's an update. Um, it is based on the popular series of novels um, that everybody my age devoured voraciously. And then there's been other screen adaptations of it over the years, but this one kind of takes those stories and recontextualizes them in 2020. And the acting is phenomenal. The stories are really heartfelt and the whole thing just makes you feel cozy. It's it's really yeah. the perfect thing. It's cozy and woke, which is a hard combination to pull off, but they do it beautifully. Yeah. Coke, if you will. Mm, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll look forward to that one. Uh, and then, Mike, what else do you have going on? So uh, the Top Chef crew, we have sort of moved on into Beyond Top Chef. Yeah, what's going on? Just- you guys had a pizza party? We're, this is what's coming up on on Saturday. We're going to have a little bit of a pizza party. Could you guess which one of our hosts suggested a pizza party <laughs> between myself and Josh Wiggler and Emily Fox Can and you Josh talk about Wiggler? How, how does the pizza party podcast work? Do I just have to listen? Yeah, so we're I'm not worried doing I'm it gonna live. Hear people eating pizza on a podcast. No, we, we you have know become, that Josh is into the crunchy mouth sounds. Yes, yeah. but we we have become very sure. We've all like made our own sworn packs to like self mute when we're taking a bite of pizza. Josh is adamant though that like. We judge each other's pizza slices as the person is eating, which sounds like one of my worst nightmares as someone with social anxiety. But yeah, we're essentially going to like talk about pizza, eat some pizza. We're going beyond Top Chef. We're still trying to essentially mm-hmm. figure out we're sort of building the car as it goes. And I guess this is our alternator in that it's pizza runs everything uh, in this podcast. Over on Post Show Recaps, uh, I took a week off from Down the Hatch, but Josh is getting together with John Krause to do some book club stuff and get ready for season three. But I will be back with Josh and Kevin Mahadeo to do a brand steal yes. of uh, Civil War, uh, which they just finished recapping. Cap versus Tony. Yeah. We'll see which tribe will prevail. And that's really great that uh, Josh and John are doing the book club right now. Books are super popular right now after the viral TikTok challenge of <laughs> the people are wearing books on their feet to walk around their house. So uh, it's a huge time for books right now. Yeah, those are jandals, right? That's what that what's what Phil is referring to. Uh, <laughs> sure. So we're, we're doing that uh, and as well. Leon and I are doing the RHAP B&B. Had a very fun week last week with Jordan Kalish. Very minimal error on either party's part, surprisingly. But we learned a lot about uh, animals and Disney princesses and presidential slogans. So if you want to check that out, we're going to keep on keeping on with that. And uh, yeah. Outside of that, we're, we're going to keep driving through this and see where the rest of the summer takes us. Is keep on keeping on one of your signature phrases? <laughs> Josh asked me that question like a month ago. I didn't even know uh, until it was brought to my attention. So I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know if who's, an alien dropped said, it in my brain. Did Joe Dirt say that? Who's that? Uh... <laughs> Dirt, yes, my hero, Joe Dirt. Real tough as nails guy. Got abandoned with a wig fused to his head. <laughs> Yeah, he um, he had so many jobs. He was a janitor, or maybe that was Christopher Walken's character. Yeah, uh, that I I know when I listen to the B and B, you throw when you throw it to commercial, you come back yes. and say, "All right, so uh, thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now let's uh, keep on keeping on." <laughs> I guess I guess that's my thing now. That's my hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Uh, just several years early. Uh, another fun thing that I'm doing outside of RHAP is I'm going to be on with the Survivor Specialists. 
who were on uh, a couple of weeks ago with you, Rob, to do a draft of a season of Survivor Old School versus Middle School versus New School. So I, I'm excited to finally get together with, with those two as well to yeah. talk through Survivor through the years when, unfortunately, Survivor's son on the horizon is a little set at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that that we don't know. We don't know uh, what's what what's going on. Uh yeah, so keep on keeping on. I do as I'm trying to do a uh, Google search. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got it from not from anyone in particular, but from uh, one of my favorite scenes yeah. in a Brady Bunch film where they sing yeah. "Keep On." No, I'm I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I, I did a search for keep on keeping on and I, I am being brought through a page of, uh, seven pieces of life advice from Joe dirt that are surprisingly <laughs> <Damn it>. <laughs> spot on. <laughs> what? I stole it from Joe dirt without even realizing <laughs> Number it. One is uh, Joe dirt says you got to keep on keeping on life's a garden. Dig it. You got to make it work for you. <laughs> this actually does sound very like, insp- like I think Phil would, would really appreciate these types of aspects. Yeah. I did not realize. Maybe that's the most toughest hands I am. As I took life lessons from <laughs> David Spade as Joe Dirt. Yeah, I mean Joe Dirt. Uh, that uh, he he probably has a lot of blue collar skills. I would imagine so. He also uh, beat the snot out of Kid Rock. Mm-hmm. So that feels very, you know. I mean, he's America's hero. Yeah, there you go, Joe Dirt. <laughs> All right. Uh, lot, lots of uh, fun stuff here today. Of course, uh, we had a talking with T Bird with Frosty uh, this week. Uh, I have a podcast uh, coming up with a s- expert in happiness, uh, where we're going to talk through some of the ways that uh, listeners of the podcast can uh, have some helps to uh, keep their. I, I don't want to say. Um, me- mental health tips uh, for mm. a very trying time right now. To keep uh, on keeping on, if you will. Keep you're, on, you're, 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 yeah, help keep on, <laughs> help keep on keeping on. Uh, that that's coming up uh, as well. And uh, of course, everything we're doing in our rewatch the Wiggle Room. I'm going to find an NBA team on Robin and Kibanita podcast and everything on News AF as well. On uh, Rob has a podcast, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.